0: right guys welcome back to my podcast true story bro and i'm really pleased this morning uh my first guest back is mr david taylor um he's probably most well known for being an online coach at the moment um but there are other bits and backs where you might know him from me and dave probably go back uh, I don't know actually about four years, I think.
1: Is it Dave? Four years, I'd say. I would say longer than that when we yeah. were first at gym at lifestyle fitness.
0: Yeah, so about I, I first knew Dave from a gym called lifestyle fitness. I don't know if there's that many of them about anymore. Um, we were both just on the floor PTs doing hours on shift. Uh, I think we we're both probably on 15 hours, were not we? <laughs> When we first yeah. started, and then Dave, I think Dave, you might have started living the dream on five hours a week, and then I probably, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd probably left, um, left by this point. Uh, since then, me and Dave, we stayed in touch when I moved to a different gym, and then now bringing us to where we are now, Dave, Dave worked as a floor PT at uh, my gym, A-Star, and then now he's luckily enough to own a really really good online business where he does obviously most of his work from his lovely house and home with his wife, wife Dom. Um, but he does he does still pop into A Star now and again to see us peasants who are still uh, still on the gym floor, still living in Wakefield. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna pass you on to Dave just to introduce himself really, let you know a little bit about him, and then. What we're gonna do with you guys is we're gonna try and do some myth busting um, and cut out a little bit. I say a little bit, a lot of the bullshit um, that's in the fitness industry. So, Dave, let our listeners know who you are, what you do. Please put it.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Dave um and i was gonna say it is definitely a lot longer than that we were at lifestyle fitness it must be back sort of seven eight years now it yeah. must be I it think might be, we, yeah, might we, be. probably. yeah lifestyle fitness, lifestyle fitness was the first gym that i started face-to-face pt and i went into that with absolutely no clue what i was doing um and they, they essentially took you for a bit of a ride didn't they because you yeah. signed into a contract and the contract could be changed at any point. And they said to you, right, here's your 15 hours that you're going to do working for us, cleaning machines, sorting out reception for a reduced rent. And then they said, whenever you get to the point where your business is well-established enough, you can come off those hours and go full rent and PT all you yeah. want. And they just didn't fucking let you, did that. Never happened. Never happened.
0: Dave's doing like, like 50 hours PT and then he has to still do 15 hours on the gym floor and he can't fit him in. And then yeah. if you go on holiday, you don't get them hours off. You've got to work double next week. So you have to do 30 work. hours.
1: <laughs> so you're, still, you're a well-established PT, still fucking doing half a man's cleaning job. Yeah. and it's But yeah, started off at lifestyle fitness. did my shift there. And essentially, as soon as I could get out of there, I did um but i think at that point in lifestyle fitness that's when i first started to click on that you need to have some presence online or else you're going to be stuck in that same gym with your exact same business that you've got now and i looked at some of the older pts there um people like julia who, who weren't sort of didn't have that online presence and i thought If you ever wanted to move out of here, you're really going to struggle because your clients are so set in that gym that if you wanted to go somewhere else, you'd have to start your business essentially from scratch again and find a whole bunch of clients. Yeah, exactly. So that's when I thought, right, I need my main influx of clients to be coming through online no matter what, no matter where I work or no matter how I work. So I started on that while I was at Lifestyle Fitness. Started using Instagram and stuff like that. um After Lifestyle, that obviously changed to Gym Group, didn't it? Well, I don't know if you were there. I I'd,
0: I'd gone, mate, just before it changed to Gym Group. I went, he walked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah you <laughs> literally walked, <laughs> literally out. walked out through my t-shirt on floor. Literally walked out. picked two clients up in car park not way out because I was shouting and swearing. <laughs> Yeah, literally walked out. But yeah, you went to gym. You stayed,
1: you? <laughs> yeah, stayed on a bit longer. Um, and then I think that was that was still when lockdown hit, wasn't it? And then it was throughout lockdown when PT pretty much stopped anywhere. I ended up doing fucking sessions outside my flat. In where had you
0: had you already started your online before lockdown? You
1: no. No, so online was just something that in lockdown I put on a post the other day that I kept just going for walks with Dom and we just kept planning stuff. So you were Essentially, literally that was just
0: you were zero online clients when it went lockdown, yeah.
1: Yeah, zero, wow. zero. Um, and at that point I were earning nothing from PT anyway. I yeah. was doing some outdoor sessions, but earning pretty much fuck all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I decided to sign up with um, Adam Haley, which is an online sort of business coach, yeah. similar to what you've got now. Yeah. Um, and in that lockdown period, it was just a perfect time to switch over to online coaching because essentially like the world just slowed down, didn't it? Yeah. Everyone's days freed up. And it was just a perfect time to just sort of stop and think and and put some plans in place and think, right, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to work it. And it was it just all worked out so perfectly that it happened the way it did. And I'm so much happier now. Like the lifestyle difference from face-to-face PT to online, it's just something that I could never turn down. Like the freedom is just
0: from from memory, you like made like the full switch pretty fucking quickly as well. Like, how many months did your PT? Obviously, you moved to Air Star once once I got A Star, which was was in lockdown. You moved to A Star, but you
1: didn't PT full rent that long, did you? No, I don't think it was that long, to be honest. There was obviously outdoor
0: bits and bats were doing lockdown, weren't there? But then when the gym actually opened, how many months? Three months, maybe?
1: Probably two or three. But I think those were because Ah. those were my busiest months. And I, it's, I think it's really at A-Star that my face-to-face PT business was literally like in full flow. Yeah. And I was working sort of, sometimes you're in the gym like 12 hours nonstop, you're yeah, doing you 10 were. sessions. Yeah. And it just absolutely fucked me. Yeah, And it was getting to the point where I'd come home on an evening and I was like a fucking zombie. And Dom would be like, you're literally no fun to fucking talk to because I just I'm, didn't have energy to speak
0: to her. And your sessions go to shit once you're on session at 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah. Your sessions are wank, yeah. let's not
1: lie. Your sessions are fucking wank, aren't they? Um, yeah, and I know a lot of people have said that. Like, Keith said the same to me, that when he gets home sometime, he just doesn't have the energy dead. to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead. And I feel sort of like I've not
0: done... Like, I've, I've not done those days. Fuck. I used to do my. Like that. I... I weren't that busy at Gym Group because I had hours. Um, and I had a little bit online. And then when I went to Ultraflex, that's when I started doing because I was the I was the only PT there, and nobody else went to Ultraflex, just me. So I literally <laughs> had all the clients. And that's like that period before before had to lockdown, I used to do them days like 12, 13, 14 hours. And you just feel like you're stealing money at the end of it, and you are absolutely fucking fucking. Yeah. And then you wake up and do it all
1: again. <laughs> Um, you know what? The like glorified as well those days. Like that's what PTs aim for. They yeah, aim for those fucking days. And I'm sitting back there thinking, that's not what you want to be aiming for. Yeah, that yeah. it shouldn't be glorified to like work your ass off to a point you get <laughs> home and you can't speak. Do that yeah. fucking knackered. Let, let's so, make it clear. I,
0: I feel like some people will look at your stories if they don't know what goes on behind the scenes of online coaching. And it looks like Dave pretty much just sits in a cafe every yeah. single day with his feet up, having a laugh and having a chill with his missus. But you've got understand this work to get to that point. Like like we've just said, you've grafted doing shit long days. So this, this, without going off on a tangent, this, this podcast is obviously kind of aimed at helping people. But if, if any coaches or PTs are starting out, like, you can't go from just passing your PT to where Dave is now, sat in his nice house, sat having a coffee, doing his online clients. The work has to be done. So if you, I think, to be honest, I don't think it's a good thing for somebody to qualify as a PT and go straight online. You need to do that graft and learn everything one-to-one on a gym floor, mate. Don't you?
1: Fully agree. Fully agree. I don't understand how you can plan sessions online for clients Yeah. Without having those years and years of experience thinking how people actually operate in a gym. Yeah, it's not a thing. I
0: think it's not.
1: You've got to have that idea in the head, even if even somebody's personality. Like you, if I bring a client in online now, I've got to know sort of where they're at in their head. Like if I give that client a barbell squat, chances are they aren't gonna fucking walk up to a barbell rack in a gym by themselves and just start squatting doing back squats because yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, not, yeah, yeah. In their, it's not in their comfort zone. And if someone just did start out online, they'd probably just think, right, this is a client. That's the exercise I want them to do. Yeah. I'll put it on the plan. And it's just not that simple, is it? You've got to know all these like real world struggles that people have in a gym, like where they dare step foot in a gym, where they, where they don't, what exercises people are comfortable with doing by Absolutely. themselves. Yeah. It's, um, and you you only yeah. you only
0: learn that by doing the years of PT, I think. Mate. Like you said, it's I guess, but it's not going to happen. If somebody wants to go straight into like bodybuilding prepping people, that's a completely different kind of thing. But to be sort of a lifestyle coach, like 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 us, like like both of us really, you've got to have had that relationship with people on the gym floor. Like it's literally. That that's the way it is. So yeah, any coach that are listening, yeah. any coach that are listening, don't think you can just go from from passing your six week course or whatever course you're doing to to being Dave Taylor sat in Ilkley in a cafe with two <laughs> dogs, thinking you are just killing it. Um, so let's let's just jump into them. Um, the main kind of of myths. This is kind of what a lot of your stuff gets a lot of traction online. You're very good at getting things across in a in a non-bullshit form, really, mate. Um, and we see it, or I, I've certainly started seeing it more now. I've got online clients, get regular patterns where people have been programmed and brainwashed by social media over the years. And then you tell them something and they are like, oh shit, really? Like, yeah. it's, there's so many things that people are just, just patterned by like good food, bad food, kite after six, car a certain amount of protein, etc. etc. So let's jump into some sort of stuff, Dave, and try and sort some people's lives out for the next half an hour or whatever. So what have you got for me, mate?
1: Let's do it. Um I'll tell you what, I'll start with one and then we can just sort of go back and forth and chuck yeah. some out there. Um I'll start with the um the anabolic win- window, because yeah. that's one that I believed for so long, and I think it's it's like a it's one that stems from like the bodybuilding side of things, doesn't it? Most of them like, do, mate. Most of them <laughs> shit most. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you're right. they do. <laughs> but um, yeah, after I used to train when I was younger, I used to fucking have these like them serious mass shakes. And I used to literally like race to get it down after <laughs> yeah. a workout and throw up every time. Cause it was like a 2000 calorie shake. Yeah. But yeah, essentially the research says on, um, on this al- anabolic window that essentially it's nowhere near what people think it is. People tend to think it's like 30 minutes after you train. Yeah. And it really does depend as well on when you've eaten before you train, yeah. because if you have a, High protein meal, let's say an hour before you train, and it's like let's just say it's chicken breast, something with rice as well. You're still going to be releasing amino acids into your bloodstream after you've finished that session as well. Yeah. So for you to think that you need to sort of finish that session and drink a protein shake 20 minutes straight after, or else you're not going to get those sort of gains, it's just it's just ridiculous. You don't need to do it. But the only time that a protein shake sort of right after your training or any sort of protein right after your training becomes really useful, is if you are training first thing on a morning completely fasted. That is when I would say, yeah, if you've trained on a morning with nothing in your system, try get some protein in straight after. But apart from that, it's just not something people need to worry about. Especially our clients.
0: I, I think touching, not just an anabolic window, is the whole, a lot of people stress about meal timings and it's not really that important. I don't think mate, people stress, should I eat every two hours? Should I eat every three hours? What if I'm not eating for four hours? Just look at your, even your 24 hours or your overall week is kind of what you look at. There's no, people say, I'm at work, and I don't really get a break to eat. So what? Chill out, it's fine. Just as long as you're within your calories and your macros essentially it doesn't matter it's not uh the I, I used to do this and i'd send it and it's fucking embarrassing i'd send it to a client 6 a.m meal one 9 a.m meal two so, and people like i can't hit nine i'm like mate you need oh, to find some time you need to eat that meal at nine o'clock bro because this plan is not going to work and that, that's literally. It doesn't it doesn't matter, does it really? It doesn't matter. You've got to kind of find whatever fits for you and don't really stress about it. Is that that's right, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I would I would say that meal timing in itself, if you are an everyday person just wanting to get in shape, meal yeah. timing is just not something you need to worry about. Yeah. Um, I think with stuff like that, it comes into like a throw-up between. <laughs> Yes, you might get that extra sort of one, 2% benefit if you're spacing your meals out perfectly and you're having protein split between four hours, four times a day. But the other thing you've got to contend with is will you adhere to that long term? Yeah. And for me, with lifestyle clients, it's always, I always side on let's make it easier for you to adhere to more than let's look for that extra 1-2% benefit you might get from eating at 9 Absolutely. and eating at 12
0: Absolutely. And I, I think just on that point you made there is really good. Yes, there is an ideal way to set up a diet and train and get that extra 1-2% out of every single thing. But at the sacrifice of... What for a lifestyle client? If we're looking at the complete opposite end, and you're a bodybuilder Dave, and I'm prepping you, I'm saying, look, you're getting up at six and you're doing your cardio, you're doing this and you're doing that, like, and there's no negotiables. But most people don't want to be yeah. bodybuild- no, most people don't want to be bodybuilders. So yes, in an ideal world, this is exactly what you should be doing with your meals, your pre workout, your post workout, even intra workout if you want to get that fancy. But for Pete, or for Mary, it's just the whole kind of don't kind of sweat over that. Let's make your life as easy as, as easy as possible, isn't it?
1: Yeah, completely. And I think just, just that list of non-negotiables, Going from a lifestyle, lifestyle client to a bodybuilding client, that list just grows longer and longer, doesn't it? Yeah. Like absolutely. your non-negotiables as a bodybuilder is pretty much nailing every single aspect that you're in yeah. you're possibly in control of. Whereas as a as a lifestyle client, that list of non-negotiables might just be your calories, your protein, your steps for the week, yeah. your workouts. Like that's a nice, simple four things. If you're doing those things, you're gonna right. be going in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and that that's those are kind of literally. Obviously, you're do it. You're checking calls with your clients when you, even if you've not got a coach and you're and you're looking after yourself. The kind of things you look at at the end of the week is literally what you what you've said. Have you ate your calories, your macros, have you done your steps? Have you trained? That's pretty much that's pretty much it. But also, um, I think people will stress it, uh, this 10,000 K steps a day. Is, I don't know what you set your clients, but people think 10 K is magic. Now what I've started, I used to, I used to be one of them. What I, what I generally do is just try and improve them. If somebody does on an average 3000 steps a day, like I just say, let's try and start by getting you up to six. And that's like an improvement yeah. already. 10 is not a fucking magic number. Like I say on first quarter time, how many steps should I be doing? More than you are now, that's the answer. More than you are now. It's not, oh, people say 10K and all of a sudden you're with 10K, five pound a week gone, see you later. Don't happen. It's yeah. just a case of with your steps or any activity, just do a little bit more. And I don't know if that's what, that's yeah. what you think as well with your clients.
1: Exactly the same. Like my clients will start with me. They'll have a pre-coaching questionnaire where they'll tell me exactly what they're doing now, yep. and all okay. I'll start them with on week one is a little bit more than what they've put on there. And then each week we'll look at that and think, how difficult did you find it to it, to hit that forty-two thousand steps last week? Did you find it difficult? No. Did you have to plan in any? any walks that were out of your specific sort of time that you were just thinking, right, I'll just do my normal daily stuff. Did you have to plan more walks in? No. Right. Let's up your step count then. And then we just get to a point where, right, let's say you're doing 7,000 steps a daily on average. You're hitting 49 K. Did you find that difficult? Yeah. I really struggled. I had to go out on walks. All right, we'll leave it at 49 K for now. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just finding where that line is pushing it a little bit but yeah there's nothing magic magic about that 10k is there i think aiming starting off at three and then trying to jump straight up to 10 you're just gonna feel like you failed straight away aren't you
0: yeah and i think that's the the exact same for people who who don't train and then they're going into training and you give some people. Think they have to go to gym. They're going from zero sessions a week to training every single day and doing cardio because that's what bodybuilder does down the road. Do you know what I mean? Again, that is a case of building up from zero sessions to two or three full body sessions and steps, and then building up to three or four full body, and then going into sort body split a lot later down down the line. And I don't know how. How you manage it or what you do with your clients, but there's say if you've got a new starter who's on who do, does no, no training at all, and then you want to send them through three full body workouts and they go, "Is that it?" kind of thing. It's not a. I always say, let's say I have like a, a sliding scale of one to ten. If you're at a two out of ten, we want to be at a ten out of ten. But you don't go straight to ten out of ten workouts and training programs. You've got to kind of go. From here, mini wins, mini wins, mini wins, all the way up, so we can try and get you to a to a nine out of ten. It's I think it's important for people to not think, and this come, definitely comes from social media, thinking the Billy Big bollocks, doing everything they can, spinning all these plates to try and be an absolute animal when you just need to make small changes here and there every single week, and they all kind of
1: they all kind of add up not there. Yeah. And I think it's that, it's that, um, it's that thought that people have that they need to get from zero to a hundred as quick as possible. That's probably why they end up fucking up and giving up and, and stop and quitting at some point. And I think people come to me and say, right, I want to lose two stone. Let's not focus on two stone. Let's focus on that first one pound. Yeah. Then after that, we'll focus on the next pound. Do you know what I mean? And it's, I think so many people look at their goals as that's where I want to be. And they sort of just skip out the middle ground and think that's where I want to be. I'm not going to be happy until I get, I get yeah, there. Yeah, until they get but there, you've yeah. Got so you've got so much time in between there that you need to enjoy. And yeah. people forget to enjoy yeah. that period of time. And it's like, if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to fucking get there in the end. You're not going to enjoy the process. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to count on. And if you kind of,
0: if this is just your end goal in six months and you don't set any little mini wins, you never feel like you're achieving anything until you get to that end goal. Whereas if you set up some t- tiny little goals along the way, you're already switching your mentality that, yes, I've ticked that off. I've done my first pound. Yes, I've ticked it off. I can now complete 40 minutes on a stairmaster. I might not have got to yeah. my end goal yet, but automatically on your calls with your coach, or every week, you've got some little mini wins where you can be positive rather than just waiting for one massive goal at the end. That let's be honest, you might not ever get to. You might not ever get there, and then you never yeah. reach goals kind of thing. So it's a good
1: thing that you shouldn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think setting for, for anybody setting some like mini wins or mini. Yes, it's good to have massive goals, but also set some little ones so you are achieving something and celebrate them as well. If you've gone from barely moving to doing three gym sessions a week and 3,000 steps a day, fucking well done. Do you know what I mean? It's brilliant. Like You are doing something more than you were doing the week before, which should be celebrated for, for lifestyle kind of clients. That's, I think, and it's it's not it's not celebrated enough those kind of little things. People say, oh, I've only done this or only done that, but they're making changes, they make a positive change out there and it's, it's, you don't just want to, the big massive things are great for social media when somebody's lost five, six, seven stone and the massive transformations and that's what gets you yeah. clients in the door and what gets people to give you a pat on the back. But the mini wins for a mum of two who's managed to go out and push a prime round block three times that week is, yeah, it's kind of just as important as those other things, in it?
1: And I think people have problems by actually knowing what to set those wins as. Mm. Because typically today, Ah-ha. people only see a win as a scale dropping down. And yeah. that is the only win they know in, in the head. head. And then that? when I'm looking at their full progress, let's say they want to lose two stone. And the only win that they get in their head is when that scale drops. And I'm thinking this process is going to be fucking demoralizing for you if the only little bit of joy you're getting is when you lose that pound every, yeah. every however long it takes. But you need to set your wins as not just outcome related goals. Yeah. So your outcome related goals would be things like I've lost a pound this week, but I like to set the wins as process driven goals. So yeah. have you done your steps this week? Great. That's a win. You know what I mean? Have you completed three workouts this week? Great. That's another win. And when you can start seeing those things as wins, you start enjoying the process more because you get that feeling of I've done something good here. But if the only way you're going to get a win is by seeing that scale go down, then you're going to be in for a fucking miserable year.
0: You're going to be be chasing it. And like I say, yeah, you're never going to be. You're never going to yeah. be happy, and those those little things that you just spoke about, there like the little ticking off your steps and that. Remember, a lot of people fucking fail at that, at just that. So by doing them, you're doing well. aren't you? a lot of people don't even fucking do anything. So yeah. once you start ticking those little goals off, you're doing you're doing well. Um, without going off a tangent, I just one thing I wanted to discuss, which which I see a lot, I'm sure you've done posts about it before is good and bad food. People say, starting a diet, cut out bread. And that's the diet, they've cut out bread. Like, start in a diet, cut out cakes. Start in a diet, cut out chocolate. Oh, I'm desperate for chocolate. Oh, I'm desperate for this. And that's kind of, there's no fucking joy in life without chocolate and crisps and all that sort of shit, mate. End of. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It's not enjoyable, mate, is it?
1: No, and I think, I, think a lot of, I think it all starts with the fact that a lot of people start a diet and instead of thinking about how much they're eating, they always go down the route of thinking what I'm eating. I think a lot of people start the diet with the idea of it's the bad foods that I'm eating that are causing me to be where yeah. I am today and that's my main problem. If I sort the bad foods out, that's where I'll, I'll be fine after that. And it's, it's really more about, look, it's not the bad foods that are causing you to be overweight. It's how much you're fucking eating of them. Yeah. And if you can get a control of how much you're eating, then we can sort of look at the quality of your diet afterwards and we can make subtle changes to that. It's like a
0: well-known inside information in fitness industry that you can kind of pretty much get away with eating what you want as long as you look after your calories and it's the amounts that are kind of important, but it seems to be, I don't know why, I don't know where it comes from, and I don't know why, um, it seems to be not common knowledge for, for most people that the most important thing is how much you eat. There's a lot, of, a lot of smoke and mirrors. Where do you kind of think that comes from?
1: So I would probably say, well, this is something that's gone on for a long time, and I think it all stems from the fitness industry in itself is one that has no rules or regulations as to what people can say and what people can sell, right? And that's still true today more than ever. So if I wanted to be a cunt and I wanted to just make money and not sort of put people's health and education at the forefront of what I'm doing, I could come up with a magical diet plan that excludes certain food group. I could tell people that sugar's the devil. I could say, don't eat this, don't eat this. And if you follow what I'm saying, you'll get amazing results. And I could plaster some progress pictures and and be like, look, this is what you'll get if you follow my magical diet. And a lot of people do choose to be that person. A lot of people do. I mean, you've got fucking V shred, which is (laughs) probably millions and millions of of dollars in a company, which is runoff lies and and all its business model is let's spend fucking loads of money on advertising and make this video pop up to every person in, in humanity. They, is that no the sample? one is that the one that does it by body type? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Got that same, same bell end at the front, that, that brunette guy with abs, and he's yeah. just like the forefront of the of the thing, and they they still do the diet plans on body types, so, but essentially. What people do is they try to sell you something that a problem that doesn't exist. And he's done that exact same thing. Like you've struggled with diet all your life. You've tried everything. This is because you've not tried a diet that's linked to your body type. I've got the solution to a problem that doesn't fucking exist. Here it is for you. Come try this. But because they've got such a large audience of people that might try it, let's say a thousand people try his body type diet. Yeah, If 50 of those thousand get a good result, that's enough. That's enough for him to take those pictures and be like, fucking get these out there, come try my diet again. And the process repeats. So it, it all stems from the fitness industry not being regulated with what people can say. And then people, cunts will just take advantage of that and sell something that's not true and it like you say it brainwashes people doesn't it
0: i I think i think what you just touched on there is really important with any type of diet anybody does a small percentage of people if you've got a large a large amount of people doing it will always get results from it slimming world weight watchers keto low carb high carb no carb a small percentage by default will always get results because that will work for some people. Whereas, it doesn't sound sexy to say just eating a calorie deficit and you will all lose weight. That sounds boring as fuck. Like, yeah. but if a hundred people have been a calorie deficit, a hundred people are going to fucking lose weight. End of. Whereas, like if like I just said, if a hundred people are on Weight Watchers. Thirty to forty of them might lose weight. Fifty to sixty of them won't lose weight. So no matter which route you go down, yes, there are some ways. There's some people that are gonna are gonna lose weight. But if you want a guaranteed, it sounds stupid. To you if you want a guaranteed result, but it is. If you're in a calorie deficit, you're losing weight. It's. But people are like it's not as simple as that. You can't tell that, can you? So people don't wanna. You, don't, you can't sell a calorie deficit diet. Like, it's, not a, it's not a thing, is it? So that's kind yeah. of where it comes from. People, I think it's getting turned around a little bit now, isn't it? Yeah. With people people yeah. like James Smith, and then there's obviously a lot of people like us who are trying to, trying to change it, and it is turning around a little bit. But there is still, like you just mentioned that company there, there is still some people that are trying to make money off the back of just telling lies right. to people.
1: And I think oh, yeah. some parts, well, it can't be helped as well because people that don't really know how they've got the results. Let's say I'm just a 40-year-old woman and I go, I go to work and I say to my friends, look, I've tried this diet and it's worked for me. That is what you call like anecdotal evidence. Something yeah. worked for me, so it must work. Yeah. And that's exactly what you've been saying there. It, just because it works for you, It doesn't mean that that's the route forward for every single person. But people that don't know about diets and know how it's worked for them, they just sort of spread around what worked for me. And you see it like all over Facebook. Like someone will put a status saying, Oh, I need to lose weight. And then people will comment on it. And I dread reading those comments. (laughs) I (laughs) did. They just annoy the fuck out of me. But it's like, Oh, Try slimming world. This worked for me, hun. Just cut out all carbs. Yeah. This worked for me, hun. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I've, tra- I've tried intermittent
0: fasting, dude. Intermittent fasting is one that annoys me, mate. Somebody ran about it to me at gym over there. I just eat one meal a day, mate. I eat between five and six. I'm thinking, why, why? Five, five and six? <laughs> It, worked. it, it worked. that's what time he eats his meals, bro. And I'm like, how many calories do you think you're doing? And then he goes, oh, I do about seventeen hundred and fifty. And I was like. Spread them out for a day so you're not starving all day because you're like, oh, I'm starving, but I've got to wait till five to eat, mate. No, <laughs> no, you don't. Just eat seventy yeah. and fifty calories, and you're all right, kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's another one absolutely well mentioned times you, you wanna that you you uh, want to explain the can't eat past six p.m. or can't eat calves past six p.m. or whatever magically happens at six p.m. I don't know, but please tell me. <laughs>
1: This is one that I actually struggle to explain because I'm not sure. Like most myths have like a root cause of why people believe them. And I've got no idea why people believe this. What happens at six, bro? I don't know. And I don't know why it's six. I don't know if you go on holiday and clocks go back somewhere. Does it change? (laughs) (laughs) What happens when the clocks go back? Does it change? (laughs) Uh, I've got no idea where that's even come from, so I feel like I've just got to say to that myth. Like that is just—it's just bullshit. It—it's nothing changes. There's nothing
0: before. behind the six. Nothing happens once that clock ticks from five fifty-nine to six. Your body yeah. is literally the same as it was thirty seconds before. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Nothing happens at six, mate. You're the same person at one minute past as you were at one and minute. I don't ago. know about you
1: personally, but I sleep better with a I sleep better with like a full stomach me. I like a carby meal. Yeah, th- this this is what I was
0: I was gonna say as well. People have this about not eating carb before you go to bed. Again, you, you do you do sleep better on a full belly. If you've ever gone to bed hungry, you're not fucking sleeping, either. You sit up and yeah. <laughs> you think about food and you go on Facebook and Instagram and look at food. At look at food. Um, yeah. It's essentially, again, what we've touched on before is it's what happens in the twenty-four hours, not specifically what happens during the day. People think because they eat and then go lay down, they're putting fat on while they're asleep, and it's that. Yeah, that that doesn't
1: that doesn't happen at all whatsoever, does it? No, not at all. Um, um, what someone on we'll touch on? Kick back on keep back the stairmaster. Oh, yeah, that's fucking easy. Uh, Don't uh, see
0: them in a but how effective, Dave? You're the glute master. How effective are kickbacks on a stairmaster?
1: Well, the only way I tend to explain this to people is the glute is probably – it's the biggest muscle in yeah. your body. It's one, of them, it's one of them muscles where you can lift, lift a lot of weight through that. Even clients that I have that have never really been in a gym before – you could put them under a barbell and most people could probably still hip thrust 30, 40 kilo. That's quite a lot of weight for some people that have never lifted weights. Your glutes are strong. They are strong muscles. And to think that you are even putting a dent in growing them by fucking chucking your leg back on a stairmaster (laughs) is just, it's just ridiculous. But again, it's, it's an Instagram, it's an Instagram exercise. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I always say to people, right, is if you're doing that, right, why don't you just for biceps, training biceps, just stand and just flex at your elbows like this. Just fling your elbow. If you want to grow big delts, just lift your arms out to the side 10 times a day. Do it while you're walking if you want, yeah. Like, and you're probably going to have shoulders like boulders, like, <laughs> understand you have to be challenging your muscle in order for it to grow and... Kickbacks on a Stairmaster just, I'm um, doing anything. That's, again, you touched on it there. It, it comes from, a lot of shit comes from Instagram. And influencers, with, obviously influencers have a, can have a good influence, but there's a lot who come from Love Island and whatever who all of a sudden turn to fit. Fitness seems to be the thing that they go to and I, yeah I, I don't know why like just go to something else fuck
1: off like well it's a booming industry isn't yeah it? it's growing massively and like i said it's one of those where you don't need a badge to say i'm in the fitness industry. industry now yeah. you can just claim i'm in the fitness industry now and and if you've got a following you're a big influencer in the fitness industry now just yeah. by saying you're that. So uh, that's why it is. Yeah, Um,
0: there's, and some of them are in decent shape, but that automatically doesn't qualify you to be able to to tell your 100,000 followers how to train. And some people make a shitload of money out of it. A shitload of money. Like, I know some of my clients who will sign up to like these three, four, five pound apps. And the people like, I can't think of people, it's like that Courtney Black and that. They must be making fucking millions, mate. Millions, yeah. Yeah. just from standing in a gym with matching bow and tee, doing some sort of fancy for some sort of fancy. There's nothing wrong with bow and tea, by the way. It's just a standard, standard Instagram starter pack. Uh, just doing <laughs> some sort of fancy workout and then selling plans for like four and five quid, and that needs yeah. to fucking stop. It doesn't, my fucking Eddie, mate. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, completely. So, yeah, like, last <laughs> things
0: like go on. Like, like you said, it's the there's no rules and regulations. You just If you've got 100,000 followers, you are a fitness influencer, aren't you?
1: Yeah, and it's that simple, isn't it? Which is a shame, but it's the way it is. Yeah.
0: Um, what other myths have we got, Dave? Well,
1: not one more, would it? I was going to say that the, the one that gets the most people is this... People still don't understand that exercise is not going to be the thing that burns body fat for you. Yeah. And still people this is one probably question that I get on every single question box. Like what exercise is best for fat loss? Mm -hmm. And that question already, you're just barking up the wrong tree. It's not a route that you want to go down. Like let's say any exercise you do in the gym, you'll burn more calories doing some sort of running. Let's say you run for 20 minutes over sort of an average resistance training session. You'll burn more calories doing running for 20 minutes than weightlifting. But in both of those sessions, you might burn 200 calories. Oh. Like you're not you're not gonna burn a tremendous amount of calories. And the irony of it is, is the people that can burn a lot of calories doing workouts are the people that don't need to lose fat anyway. Yeah. you look at the CrossFitters they'll burn a tremendous amount of calories doing, doing their training sessions. Yeah. But they're already in fucking brilliant shape. They don't need to worry about fat loss. Yeah. If you are worrying about fat loss, you don't want to think as exercise as your route to fat loss. because Small, yeah. Small percentage. Small yeah. percentage. Yeah. If we actually put it into stats and say, look, you might burn 200, 300 calories in your workout max and this is just like an average gym goer that started out wanting to lose weight, that 300 calories, imagine how much easier you could take 300 calories out of your diet compared to spending 30 minutes in a gym, slogging your ass off, trying yeah. to trying to sweat the most you can. Like you could just take a fucking bar of chocolate out of your diet and that's the equivalent. Yeah. And, and you could put your gym workouts to getting healthy, getting fitter, getting stronger, shaping your body, all these things that you should be doing, you could be focusing on that. Do you know what yeah, I,
0: mean? I think, people, like you've said, I've had this conversation with one of my clients this week. She panicked because she'd done three sessions rather than four sessions that were planned. But she'd done all the steps. She nailed the nutrition. That is 10 times more important. I, I can't work out percentages, but say if somebody trains four hours a week, how many fucking hours for the rest of the week do you have to look after and lose that weight? Rather than yeah. those four hours, there's however many, 100 and odd other hours that you're not panicking about it at all. You're just panicking about that extra half an hour that you miss at the gym.
1: I think we need to get this clear on this podcast to everyone listening that if you miss a workout, <clears throat> That is the thing that I would say is the bottom of the list in terms of things you need to worry about. It doesn't fucking matter at all. It really doesn't. And if we're on about fat loss, if fat loss is your goal, you need to be putting your things in order of most important things to nail. So for fat loss, I would always say the nutrition is the most important thing to nail. After that, it's your activity outside of your workouts, like your steps. And then in the bottom place, that's when that's your workouts. Like if your yeah. goal is fat loss and you do a week without working out, still nail your diet and still nail your steps, you'll lose just as much fat. And exactly. your workouts aren't meant to be for that. Yeah, so, exactly. Totally, yeah.
0: Obviously, again, going back to what I said before, looking at the other inspection, bodybuilding, muscle building, completely different. If you just nail it down to the bare minimum of fat loss, you've absolutely nailed it there. Do you know what I mean? It's worry about the 98% and not the, and not the 2% of trying to get, get into a gym. Um, so Dave, I'm just going to ask you one last question, obviously for our type of clients, you I think we've pretty much probably covered them, but a little summary of just top three main things you need to look at when you're looking at fat loss. What's your top three?
1: um top three things to look at with fat loss um so or oh, bits I of advice back. tips and advice so i think firstly you've got to get a control of how many calories you're eating yeah. that needs to be if fat loss is your goal you need to get a control of how many calories you're eating oh, and yeah. the main thing with that is to go down a route of tracking your calories or go down a route where you can control your calories in different ways. And that might be, I know you're not a fan of it, but it might be doing fasting and saying, right, I'm going to skip breakfast and I'm going to eat all my meals from 3 p.m. onwards. Yeah. That's a simple way to sort of think I'll probably eat less calories if I do that. Yeah. And if you could also set yourself another goal and think, right, if I'm not going to eat until 3 p.m., and then whatever I do eat, I'm going to make sure it's got a serving of protein in it with 20, 30 grams. And I've got some veg in that meal as well. Yep. Just simple guidelines like that. You're going to you're going to probably put yourself in a deficit, especially if you're, you've you got quite a lot of weight to lose. Just simple guidelines like that will be enough to elicit fat loss. Yeah. It's not... go down the route Of tracking calories. Yeah. yeah.
0: So calories, it's not really important how you get there. Just fucking get there. Like you just said, intermittent fasting, whichever way you want to fucking do it, number one, and show you fucking look after your calories. End of. Yeah. What's well, going yeah. we are you going to go for number two, Dan? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, number two, it's got to be your activity level. So yeah. I think a lot of people get mixed up and think the gym is where they're going to burn the majority of the calories, when in reality, the gym is 5% of, of your total daily calories burned, yeah. right? And then we look at your activity level outside the gym, which would be your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And that takes up 15%. So three times as much calories that you're going to burn in the gym, you're going to burn just walking around your house, cleaning, walking the dog, getting up, yeah. going to the kitchen, all that sort of stuff, you just need to focus on it and think, can I be as active as possible? Yeah. Just all yeah. these little things like parking far away from where I, I always go. say that
0: one, mate. I always say that one. Park over in the fucking car park.
1: Yeah. It matters. It really yeah. does. When you can go from seeing a client which has no and no accountability for how much they move and then just saying to them, right, I want you to hit a weekly step count target it just gives them something to think about and it gives yep. them a reason to be active and move. And that is so underrated in fat loss. Yeah. So underrated. Yeah. So number two would Act. be whatever it is, just fucking move more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Love yeah. it. So we've got calories, move more. What is, what is his last one, buddy?
1: Um, so with the last one, I would probably say you need to have a good perspective over what matters and what doesn't in fat loss. And I think when you've gained that perspective, it's like lifting a massive weight off your shoulders because you can come into a fat loss diet and like we've talked about, you could think missing a workout is bad, eating after 6 p.m. is bad, sort of all these things that, some, that can cloud in on you and make it a misery for you. Yeah. Once you've got a really good perspective of what matters and what doesn't, and like we said earlier, the non-negotiables, the things that I would say that really matter is nailing your calories for fat loss, getting your protein in there, doing your workouts, keeping your activity level high, and all the rest can just sort oh, of... Yes, yeah. They away eh? Because they don't actually matter that much. And when yeah. you've gained that perspective over what really matters and what actually doesn't, it makes your life so much more easier. And, and people have come to me and as my clients, they, they, they sometimes leave and think, God, it's, it's like a weight's lifted off my shoulders just knowing this is really what I should be doing and all this Ouch. other stuff I used to care about and I used to worry about. It just doesn't matter and it's if you can get that perspective, you, losing body fat is just sometimes so much easier. It can be effortless.
0: It's a yeah. very, very simple process that is not easy. It's simple. There's a difference between simple and easy. It's simple. Yes, it's difficult sometimes, but it's a simple process that gets overcomplicated. I'm just going to add one more thing on that I really tried to emphasize in the last few months is fucking enjoy it and be happy. That is literally what I say to people now. If you're striving to to look absolutely unbelievable, but you're fucking unhappy, it's fucking pointless. For that extra less level of aesthetics to still be happy is like absolutely key. There's no point in looking great, but feeling like a bag of fucking toenails I'd rather yeah. look a little bit less unreal and, and kind of be happy. So I think my most important takeaway for anybody who's listening and anybody who's on a fat loss journey is enjoy it and just make sure you're fucking happy at the end of the day. Isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I think some people can push too hard looking for a physique goal. But they actually lose sight of happiness and they lose sight of like the actual life that they are living, and yeah. I feel like that happens with a lot of bodybuilders but like it does ghosts, mate that's, yeah. it,
0: absolutely. absolutely that's like saying Saturday night where would you rather be sat in your house eating your ch- chicken and rice out of the Tupperware or out with your wife Dom having something nice to eat somewhere and enjoying a couple of beers yes you might not make as much progress that weekend because you've had a beer and you are not trained next day but You've gone out and you're sat in the night with your wife, and you've had a couple of and You've had a really nice time. It's it's kind of like what what is important to you in life, isn't it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, is, it all comes down to balance, doesn't it? Yeah, you've absolutely. always got to be balancing. Yes, I want to reach these goals with my physique, with my fitness, whatever it may be, but it can't come as a consequence of sacrificing your own happiness and well-being. Okay. And you've yeah. got to, you've got to find that line, haven't you?
0: Yeah, but well, I, I have, I have a tagline now, and it's "Look good, feel good, be happy," and that is literally. I that, yeah, know. that's my new tagline, bro. I've had it for about a month and now, so I happy. always make, I always make sure I kind of say to my clients: Do you look good? Do you feel good? Are you happy? Done. That's it. Probably gonna get some t-shirts with that. So anybody listening, look out, some t- <laughs> t- look out for some t-shirts. But I'm probably gonna wrap up there, Dave. That has been. Yeah. Very, very insightful. I really enjoyed it, and I hope anybody who's listening um, has has took something away from that podcast. So, cheers there. Thank you, buddy.
1: No problem.